Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. Now, before we go any further, just to like to do a little housekeeping on a topic that we spoke about last week, and it was a lady that comes to you who has a recipe that she's put together. Mm. Uh, can you just uh, oh, okay. tell us a little bit where you're at with that? Yeah, well, just to uh, refresh uh, listeners' minds about what we're talking here, um, for a number of years um, I have been recommending, recommending um, a food chart uh, from a book by two Canadian uh, medical researchers. And the food chart is from the book Foods That Fight Cancer. And the food chart is essentially a little table in that book which outlines that the regular daily eating of a handful of foods, a little bit more than a handful of yeah, foods, yep. in the specific amounts mentioned in the table is considered by the two medical scientists as being useful to build up resistance to cancer, uh, resisting it, preventing it perhaps, or even if one has cancer, lifting one's game perhaps in helping fight it. Now that little uh, chart has proven to be so useful that I've given it out and one of my patients in fact um, on this program last week mentioned that she had been able to interpret the table and in a, in a simple way, that is, rather than eating the individual foods across the day as specified, she had developed, if you like, a little cocktail. And uh, she rang in last week, and this is what you're referring to yeah, today, yeah, oh, yeah. and that dear lady has gone to the trouble of sending to my rooms at 39 Alma Road, New Lambton, the actual formula, or recipe, if we want to call it that, of that little cocktail. So uh, what I'm going to do... Uh, is bring it into the studio next week. Yes. And I'm sure, Dave, you'll be able to take it from there. If you can bring it in next week, yes. we'll put it on yes. the 2NURFM website yes. and also on our Facebook Lovely. so people can get a copy of it. Our listeners can get a copy. Lovely. So you make a note to bring that in next week. I will indeed. In fact, I'm going back to my rooms uh, immediately after the program today and I will retrieve it. Yes. And we can uh, be sure it will be here next week. That'll be next Friday, mm. and you'll be able mm. to view that on our Facebook and our website. We'll make sure we get is, that. Isn't that good, though, Dave? That, that we took a phone like call. That. A lady rang yes, up yesterday yes, and said yeah. she's very interested. She'd yes. like to get it. She's yes. intrigued by what you spoke yes. about. Yes. So, more or less for her and anyone else yep. who's interested, we'll follow up on that next week and get that on there. But for this, this leads us into, Dave, what you and I were going to talk about this morning that that food chart, if you like, uh, developed by the two medical scientists. Uh, is from a book that has, if you like, reaffirmed yes. strongly my belief that what we do by way of the foods we eat and the things we drink has a bearing on our likelihood of contracting cancer mm -hmm. or our ability to participate in resisting and fighting it. And that book I've mentioned on, on, on so many occasions that listeners perhaps are becoming a little bit bored with my mentioning it, but... It is so important, and I emphasize this to listeners, it's so important that listeners that are interested in doing something to lift their game in resisting and fighting cancer should get hold of the book entitled Foods That Fight Cancer by the two Canadians, Belleville and Gingras. It's an easily procured book. Uh, one can easily get it from Amazon, if not local booksellers. The reading of that book will convince even the sceptic, that there is a credible scientific basis for making the case that there are certain specific foods and drinks which can be shown to interfere beneficially with the assertion of cancer. That book is so important that even if listeners take nothing more from my program today, make a beeline, get hold of it, read it, you'll be absolutely intrigued and convinced as I've been, hence my 
propagation of the gospel that food is your best medicine. Tell Correct. us more about that. Again, Dave, I'll reiterate the name of that book because I, I suspect that listeners out there might have uh, missed my quick rendition And of we'll it. do it again at the end of the at program. At the end of it. Yeah. This book is so important, so important and so credible. The people that are writing it are medical scientists that are involved in cancer research in Quebec. Both of them have PhDs, which is the highest academic qualification one can get. Mm-hmm. So they're scientists, medical scientists, researchers, their names, at the name of the book, first of all, is the Foods That Fight Cancer. I'll say it slowly, Foods That Fight Cancer. And it's written by two Canadians, Richard Bellevue, and I'll spell the name B-E-L-I-V-E-A-U, Richard Bellevue and Dennis Gingras, G-I-N-G-R-A-S. Get hold of it, listeners. And there has been a second book, which is they've also taken up called Cooking with Foods That Fight Cancer. Essentially what this book does is get hold of the foods that they recommend and have researched and put them in a form that allows them to be attractively presented. One of the, one of the most important uh, foods, if you like to call it a food, that's mentioned in both references is the green tea. Okay, yes. It's quite uh, amazing that of all the foods that are presented as being potentially and to an extent demonstrably uh, capable of resisting cancer development. The green tea, let me emphasise the green tea, as partaken of frequently by Japanese and Chinese, the green tea, this is what they say about it, the two Canadians. They say green tea holds a place of prime importance in any diet planned with cancer prevention in mind of all foods of all foods yeah. it contains one of the highest proportions of anti-cancer molecules so today we can learn this that even if one only wants to go step by step simple things incorporated into one's lifestyle gives us an edge against cancer I know this is provocative and there are going to be all sorts of sceptics out there that will say, oh, he's talking through the top of his head. I'm not talking, Dave. These people yes. are scientists. So and they've the sceptic, studied it. They've studied, they've studied it. it. Yep. Um, look, I know there are a lot of harebrained crazies out there that claim to have all sorts of weird and wonderful cures for cancer. And I've listened to that nonsense for nearly 40 years in my professional career and I've seen some of the damage associated with it. The stuff we're talking about now is not proprietary based. It's not based on a mass of supplements. It's based on research which suggests, as the philosophers of old says, food is your best medicine and green tea, not the tea that we drink as Anglos, yeah. but green tea contains a mass, a mass of cancer-fighting molecules. They're known as catechins, C-A-T-E-C-H-I-N-S. Catechins are the chemical within the green tea which are considered to inhibit considered to inhibit limit slow down cancer development through a process which means that it inhibits what's called angiogenesis angiogenesis is the process whereby a tumor in its development develops blood vessels and begins to grow inhibiting angiogenesis is mentioned frequently in those both these texts written by the french mm-hmm. and Green tea is considered, by virtue of it containing these catechins, to interfere, 
to interfere with the process of angiogenesis. That's great. So we've established green tea. Very important. Uh, now, very yes. important. And the other thing is that if one is going to use green tea, there are green teas and green teas. And, and I'm virtually quoting verbatim from the information from these two texts. These are important works, important works for yes. listeners out there, yes. men that are fighting prostate cancer, men that are, are concerned about prostate cancer, women that are trying to develop ideas about resisting breast cancer. What they say is, with reference to the green tea, three to four cups of green tea a day, but the clue is they argue the best green tea which contains the highest level of catechins is green tea, Japanese green tea. Yes. Japanese green tea contains the highest level of catechins and they emphasise strongly that to get the best value out of Japanese green tea, don't use the tea bag because the tea bag may not give you the quality mm -hmm. or the amount of uptake of the catechins that making tea in the old-fashioned way does. So what am I saying? I'll finalise it by saying if one is interested in altering one's lifestyle somewhat to develop potential uh, resistance to certain cancers, start to drink green tea, yes. fall in love with it, three to four cups of strong green tea a day, particularly based on Japanese green tea and the tea made in an old-fashioned way based on the tea leaf. We just established that green tea is the way to go, and if you have the green tea, have it in a pot, boiling water, and uh, try not to go with the tea bag. Do it with your tea strainer. That's Well, well done, Dave. You, you've picked up the whole point here that um, a lot of the benefit in using these things uh, means that we must emulate mm. the way in which they've developed their reputation. Now, I'm going to drop a bit of a bombshell here and also say that there's a bit of an argument to suggest that the moment you isolate some of these molecules from the food and turn them into a supplement, they may not have the same benefit. For instance, uh, resveratrol. Uh, is very, very highly recommended in both these works, food that fight, foods that fight cancer and cooking with foods that fight cancer. Now, resveratrol is, if you like, in a, it's, a, it's a precursor of a, of a particular bioflavonoid. Now, resveratrol is found in red wine, and that is one of the foods or drinks also mentioned by the, the two uh, Frenchmen, the French uh, PhD writers and researchers. It's one of the uh, drinks that is recommended highly highly as being a very, very useful agent also in resisting certain cancers mm -hmm. and also, uh, of course, having uh, significant cardiovascular properties. But in the text, Foods That Fight Cancer, they make a provocative comment. I interpreted it this way anyway. Did you isolate resveratrol from red wine and you may not get the same benefit that one would get by drinking one to two glasses of good quality red wine per day. Okay. So there's a bit of a message. Yes. We, have to be, we have to resist, perhaps, what the industry seeks to do, mm. and that is to reduce a food or a drink down to one particular single constituent and then make a supplement out of it and flog it off mm. in, in retail outlets. Wherever possible, try to follow the idea that food is your best medicine. And as with the green tea, I, I consider the green tea to be best taken in its traditional form as a self-made tea, three to four cups a day. And similarly, with resveratrol, I would much rather people begin to see that a sensible daily 
regular use of high-quality red wine is a good and assured way of getting resveratrol, which if one Googles it up and looks at it, one can understand why the two Canadians bring it into this bracket of being one of the most outstanding and potentially useful food or drinks in the diet to resist cancer. Now, Dennis, what about the role that vegetables can play Ah, as being a preventative and a fighter for cancer? Absolutely. Well, of course, of course. Um, We we have to go back to the statement made by the great Greek philosophers um, who said, food is your best medicine. Now, that is the starting base. And Dave, I'm reluctant to say this, and some in my profession mightn't like what I'm going to say. But my profession associated with naturopathy and herbal medicine in 40 years, in my opinion, has moved too far away from emphasising food and more in the direction of selling supplements. Food is definitely your best medicine, and that's why that chart that we spoke about at the beginning of the day, written by or drawn up by the two Canadians, the first group of foods that are mentioned with potentially anti-cancer properties are foods that belong to what we call the cruciferi or crucifer family. These are vegetables like cabbage, mm-hmm. broccoli, broccoli, um, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, the sorts of foods that most of us traditionally haven't liked. Mm. But these foods are right at the top of the list of those foods that contain a similar chemistry. They all contain what they refer to in the text as glucosinolates, glucosinolates. I'm not going to turn the the program into a lecture on phytochemistry, but the good thing about the subject we're talking about is that there is credible scientific chemical information to support what we're saying. And the glucosinolates in the cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower family, they have a significant effect in the prevention and fight against uh, certain cancers. So if there is one food that tops the list, if you like, one food as opposed to drink, it would have to be the cruciferi family and people need to fall in love and not boil to death members of this family, the cabbage, the broccoli, the Brussels sprouts, the cauliflowers, these sorts of foods contain the glucosinolates, which are powerful anti-cancer molecules, which are at the top of the list in this chart that we've been referring to. We would love you to talk to Dennis, 49216216. Joining us from Saltash, Cole, you've got, you get reaction from onions on the gut, is this correct? That's right. Thank you, Dennis, a uh, big fan. Thank you very much, Cole. A quick rundown, had severe hep B in my early 20s. Yes. I'm now, now 75, love to cook, but unfortunately every time I cook with onion, I get a gastric reaction and have done right through. Mm. Uh, is there anything I can take to compensate that or look, 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 cut look, in onion? Look, look, Cole, I think you'd agree with me that each one of us is capable of having a particular and peculiar sensitivity uh, to, to any one food. For instance, to give you an example, I'm a great fan of hot chilies. Uh, I love hot chilies. The hotter they are, the better, and I'll enter into a competition with anyone any day, <laughs> and I know I will win it as far as the, the hottest chili that can be taken. And yet, my dear wife, who's an excellent cook, a great cook, um, has very significant difficulty in handling uh, chilies, even of the mildest ones. So what I'm going to say, you might not like it, but you may be one of those people 
that has a natural innate resistance to using this food. Now, I'm reluctant to say that, but you see my point. Each one of us. Some people, for instance, can't handle garlic. That's right. Uh, I, I, I had a patient once that literally nearly uh, corroded every part of their gastrointestinal tract because they fell in love with the idea that the more garlic you ate, the healthier you would be. Well, they were lucky to escape with the gut because it just went to water. So I guess what I'm saying, look, if you can't handle it, you might just have to use something like a bit of onion paste or something right. like that that will give you the flavour but without the concentration. Okay. The other thing was quickly. Uh, I've just recently heard of a product called Inulin. Inulin. That, does that would that be a benefit to my gut? In, uh, in, inulin. Spell it for me. I n u l a n. I think it is. Okay. Look, I, I don't know of the product, but do you normally have good gut functioning? Normally, yes. Until I eat onion. Okay. Well, look, I just suggest uh, don't waste your money and time on things that may not overcome what is just a natural innate resistance or reaction to one food. Okay. Thanks for your help, Dennis. Thanks, Cole. Okay, have a good day. We've got uh, Brian joining us now from Bilberg. Now, Brian, you have some issues with dermatitis? Uh, Well, mate, that's what I've been told it is, and then I've got another set of rashes which they can't, with all the pathology, can't find out what it is. Okay. Um, how How long have you had your skin condition for, Brian? Dermatologist, is, is, I, I get it on and off for a while. It's mainly around the backside area. Yes. A lot of it, I think, is to, like sitting in the car, sweating and the yes. rubbing of the clothes. Yes. You, sh- you sure it's not a fungal condition? Well, they, they, they found out that one. They said it is fungal. Yes. Well, look, um, they used to, there's a condition that used to be called jock itch, and yeah. it, ha- it has a lot to do with what truck drivers experience sitting in a truck, sweating around the anogenital region, is, a, is an area that encourages, um, uh, obviously, microbiological activity, particularly fungal. I'm going to just say something simple here, but it's not going to cost you very much money. Going to Mark Brown in the, uh, in the, um, in, in the centre of, of Cessnock, um, Mark's in the new... Uh, building the old ambulance station. Yeah, I know where he yeah, is. Yeah, and he's a good operator, Mark. Go and ask him to give you a tea tree based product, a tea tree based cream. Now, there are plenty of them. As far as uh, the potential to address perhaps a fungal condition, I would see it as being potentially very, very useful. So that is a starting base. The other thing, if the itch, if the itch is becoming pretty well intolerable, go to your local pharmacy and get hold of, uh, I think it's called Hamilton's uh, Pine Tar and Menthol Lotion. That is a little gem which I have used myself on and off and found it gives very, very significant relief, at least to the, to the itch, the itch that can keep you awake all night. Do those two little things, which again I emphasise, are not going to cost you very much money and may give you a little bit of benefit. Okay, now the, the other one is basically... I get this rash that comes up on my arms, yes. and now it's on my stomach, and I've got like little scabs across the crown of my head where I am just continually itching. Now, they've done scrapings, and yes. they said it wasn't fungal. Okay. Um, now, the doctors, are, they're, they're, they're giving me um, Elecon lotion, yep. creams, yep. and all this. Nothing it goes, it comes back. Even on the chest, I come out in like... You know, little um, skin 
groat type of thing that hangs. Yes, yes, yes. Look, what I suggest you do here, because I haven't seen it and because the skin can be a difficult condition to treat, one of the things... I was going to ask is, would it be worthwhile trying to see you and let you have a look at the actual thing? Well, that would be okay. And, you know, I consult in Cessnock every second Tuesday of the month at Sally Bowen's practice in Cumberland Street. I'd be happy to see you. But before you do that, again, while you're at the pharmacist getting hold of the the lotion that I mentioned based on on pine, pine tar and menthol, uh, talk to your pharmacist about an ego product, EGO. Ego makes some excellent uh, products that are used uh, for dermatitis and eczema type conditions. Um, and generally speaking, they do give relief, uh, if not a cure. So before you do anything, have a, have a good talk with your pharmacist. We've got some good pharmacists in, in Cessnock, as you would know. Tell them you've been speaking to me and ask them to go through the Ego product range with you for a product that would be used for, say, a dermatitis or an eczema. Don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it, but I think there's a product called Ego Derm. Don't hold me to it. But I suggest you do that. If that does you no good, certainly ring up where we can have a yarn. 49216216 if you'd like to talk to Dennis Stewart. We're here until 1 o'clock today. A term for you, alopecia. You'll know what that is. Alopecia, loss of hair, Dave. We're talking to Jeff now, thinning hair, Jeff at Toronto. Good afternoon. G'day, g'day. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Dennis. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Um, I just want to know if you have any advice or a product uh, to slow the rate of thinning hair for females. Thinning hair for females. Look, this is uh, a common uh, condition, believe it or not. And Apparently, yes. I've been reading up on it. It's and, uh, very, very... All over the place. Very common. I have have developed a little approach which has helped some people. I remember, and I frequently use this as an example, of, of a patient that was completely alopecic, not one hair on her body, she presented in my rooms at Broadmeadow just after the earthquake. I had moved my rooms from Church Street to there. And over a period of a year, we treated this dear lady who was in her mid to late 40s with a combination of Blackmore's minerals known as celloids. At the same time, we also used an amino acid called tyrosine, T-Y-R-O-S-I-N-E, that had been recommended to us by a particular trichologist, that is someone who specialises in this topic. Those two supplements, or those two approaches, persevered with over a year, led to that lady's alopecia being resolved by the Christmas of that year when she presented me with what I thought was going to be a Christmas card, insisted I opened it up, and when I opened it up, there was a massive black hair there in the Christmas card, and she t- took the scarf off her head, and for the first time uh, in many, many months since the beginning of the year, she was able to uh, uh, see a shock of black hair uh, coming back on her scalp. So I know that approach helped that woman, and I could not tell you the number of women that I don't see but present to my rooms at New Lampton and regularly pick up the Blackmore celloids for that condition, and the amino acid tyrosine. In recent times, certainly in the last 10 to 15 years, uh, where I have studied Ayurvedic uh, herbal medicine, which is the herbal medicine system of India, there is a herb in the, uh, in the Indian system known as Bringraj. Now, that's the Sanskrit uh, terminology and the Sanskrit pronunciation. Its botanical name is Eclipter alba. And in Sanskrit, Bringaraj means ruler of the hair. 
and I know there are people out there that are giggling and, and laughing and all this. Bring Garage has a reputation that goes back 2,000 years in Ayurvedic medicine. So occasionally I will append a liquid extract of Bring Garage to the celloids or the minerals and the tyrosine. I can't guarantee it, but if your dear lady is concerned about it, it's worthwhile giving a go. It's not an expensive process. One doesn't need to lock oneself into regular consultations of an expensive nature. It's basically starting off with the supplements, and I say give them a go for about six months. If it's not doing you much good in six months, okay, nothing gained, nothing lost. But I have many patients that I just see at the dispensary counter who just come in to pick those things up and can vouch for the fact that it has done something for them. Waiting patiently for us at Wall's End is Richard. Good afternoon, Richard. You've got the calcium build-up in the body, have you? Good afternoon, yes. I uh, had a fairly serious accident uh, several months ago, and I've got calcium build-up behind my knee, which is impeding the bending of my knee. And someone suggested that uh, if I take some silica, that may help to break it up. Uh, Richard, that's not a bad suggestion. I, I would suspect that they're recommending silica because silica in our profession in a particular form has somewhat of a reputation for addressing what are called spurs uh, which if you like uh, can be seen perhaps as an extension of this calcium build-up point of view. Um, I would suggest you you give it a go. It's a harmless substance. Um, I have used a particular form of silica all my professional life, uh, a Blackmore's product, I have, obviously, I have great confidence in all of Blackmore's products, uh, but particularly the practitioner or professional range, which I have worked with, has a range of products known as celloids. I frequently mention them on the program. One of those celloids is called S79. Now, that might sound a little bit left field, but it's a code, if you like, for the silica product in the Blackmore's celloid mineral range. And I have had some good results with what loosely referred to as spurs, with people that have claimed uh, great success with them. I suggest you give that particular uh, celloid a try. It's very inexpensive. Um, S79, it is usually prescribed uh, by a naturopath or a herbalist, someone such as myself. In fact, you would only probably be able to get it from a pharmacist or a naturopathic practitioner that stocks these things because generally speaking they're not a they're not a a retail range but s79 usually taken in conjunction with another mineral known as sodium phosphate has worked well in my practice i'd give it a go Well, it may not be any help, but it's not going to cost you much. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Now we've got Anne joining us now. She's got a question around the flu shots and some echinacea and maybe a reaction there. Is that right, Anne? Yes. um, Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure, Anne. Um, Thank you very much, Mrs. Stewart. Um, It's just that I can't have a flu needle because I'm highly allergic to egg. And I work in health. Mm. And um, not this winter, but past winters, I've always been catching the flu and cold. Yes. I'm currently on a multivitamin, yes. Trezor B, and yes. also on Echinacea and a leaf vitamin, which I can take once twice a day. Sometimes that makes me quite sick. That's taking Echinacea makes you a little bit sick? Yeah, afterwards, if I don't take it with enough food of the morning, okay. um, and I'm a nurse, so I'm up very early in the morning to yeah. go to work. How can I call it? Are you an allergic type of individual? Yes, I am. Okay. Look, just a little 
word of caution here, mm. even though I'm a great fan uh, and exponent of the virtues of the various varieties of echinacea, it is not well known that echinacea belongs to what's called the composite family, which also incorporates the daisies, the chamomile, and that family in recent times has been seen to be potentially allergenic. And there are some people, therefore, for whom um, echinacea might not be the best supplement to take because of its very, very rare but potential allergenicity. What I would suggest you do is yep. give, uh, give a try on the Astragalus 8. What was it, sorry? Astragalus 8 yep. is a combination that I brought into Australia probably 25 years ago. I gave the first lectures on it. I developed the first product. Uh, the the uh, product now, I understand, is owned by Blackmores, and I'm, I'm happy about that. As far as I'm concerned, there have been few preparations that I've dealt with during my 40-year career that have been as valuable as the formulation known as Astragalus 8, which is considered to have immunosupportive properties, can be taken long-term, and as far as I've been able to uh, uh, see, has none of uh, any potential allergenicity that might exist in the echinacea. It's easily procured in tablet or liquid form, uh, and I would see it, in your case, being the best recommendation. Okay, that sounds good. I'll give it a go. Okay. Good luck. Thank you so much for your call, Anne. And we go with John now at Walls End. Brings us back, really, to where we started, which is foods that can help fight cancer. Yes, John. Um, good afternoon, Dennis. Dennis, I'm interested in this in this book that you're yes, talking about. Yes. Now, I've got a quick question yes. about: um, Can that benefit somebody who is undergoing chemo at this very minute? Or look, um, whereas some on- some oncologists would have reservations about yes. uh, some of their patients taking uh, supplements, even herbs, etc., um, because we're talking here about foods, I have not had any patient who has, is uh, under an oncologist. I have not had any patient find any significant rejection from an oncologist by virtue of taking on board the foods, let me emphasise, the foods recommended in this text. And I can only, again, reiterate my experience. I have helped many, many patients over my 40-year career, not in treating their cancer but in treating them, and always I have sought to encourage them to see that there's always something one can do to help fight the battle against this. Foods are not necessarily drugs. I have not had any uh, rejections or reactions from oncologists. They might be cynical, perhaps, about what I'm saying, but I have not had anyone say that their oncologists have said, uh, don't eat these foods. Okay. Well, I'm more than not, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm more than not going to chase this book up. Any um, uh, place I can get it pretty quick? Look, or, um, or, you know, I... I'm not sure. Ring my rooms, 49562321, 49562321. What they will do is is take your details. We may have some in our warehouse. If I do uh, have some, I will get one to you straight away. If not, I will quickly let you know uh, where you can source it. I know some patients have have gone uh, through Amazon and and have had it within a couple of days. Okay, all right, I'll chase it up. Thank, thank you, John. Good luck and thank you for your call, John. Before we go, can you mention the name of the books again? You have got two books. One is in front of you now. Yes, well, I, I've mentioned the two works. The, the original work by Bellevue and Gingras was called Foods That Fight Cancer. And the second work, 
which is equally as good, is entitled Cooking with Foods that Fight Cancer. Both of those texts, uh, it's good to wind up on the program by emphasising they're two of the most exciting texts I have read in my 40-year career, and I'm very, very happy to recommend the reading of them to all listeners. All right. Before you go, can we get a photocopy of the cover of that? Leave it at the front desk so people who call. Sally can organise that for you. Just talking between you and me here. I'm sorry about that on the air. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you, Dave. Dennis Stewart, Health Naturally, here at 2NURFM. We thank him for his company. He'll be back again next Friday.